0: I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher here at Grace and Truth Ministries. We meet on Saturday at 230 and on Wednesday at 230 so that Mike can play these messages Wednesday night and Sunday morning. I've been teaching on pestilence. Pestilence is alive and well in America. The coronavirus is a pestilence. I do not know how serious it is, and I do not know how serious it is not. I don't know if it's more powerful than the flu from last year. I just don't know. I don't really believe anybody knows how it is, but let me tell you something. I'm not teaching on any political stand. I'm not for the right or the left. I am for God's Word and what it says and i know that there are there are signs of the end of time the sword which is war i said last week there are some sociologists that say that we're in 40 major world wars I'll get in a minute, 40 major wars going on across the world. The Bible says there'll be wars and rumors of wars. One of the scientists or one of the historians says we're in 69 wars and that there's over 800 militias and, and uh, armies at war in the world now. Well, that's the sword. That's going on. I don't... I have taught on this for many times. I don't believe that America is immune to nuclear warheads coming in America. I'm not for that, but I'm just trying to tell you what God said he was going to do at the end of time. ISIS has made threats. That they were going to come over and blow up some football stadium while they're playing football wouldn't do them much good right now. All they'd get is the teams since since they don't have anybody at the uh, at the stadiums. But uh, there's famine throughout the world. That's not just that's not something that's going to come. It's here. When you go to the third world countries, the United States is only about four point eight percent of the world's population, that's about it so all you have to have is the world starving over in third world countries and you've got famine, well you've got a lot of it in the United States and then you've got the pestilence, what's amazing the common word pestilence is the word D-E, B E R, in the Hebrew when God says I'll send pestilence If preachers don't tell the truth, he actually said, "If Israel is not obedient to the truth and to my statutes there in Deuteronomy twenty-eight and Leviticus twenty-six and Exodus fifteen, and then he says it all through the Old Testament, if you're not obedient, these curses will come upon you." And he says, "I'll send, I'll send burning aug." And now the aug was an inflammation burning aug and that could be inflammation of anything when you are sick it's usually inflammation that you have i know having had bronchial asthma for 45 or 50 years i know that it's inflammation of the mucous membranes in my bronchial tubes i know that in my lungs I've had a heart, I've had two heart attacks, I had one heart surgery, and the doctor said, your arteries are inflamed with this infection, that's what happens when you have uh, the problems with your heart, so it's all in, it's infection, it's what's what inflammation is, and repeatedly you say, I'll send inflammation, that's what coronavirus is, but it's not just coronavirus, God has been sending in this past century, he said polio, that was considered incurable when it was here, before they had invented the polio vaccine, I remember the polio scare in the early 50s, I was 12, 13, 14, and we were terrified of it, we don't get around polio, you'll get it and die, well, then you had uh, other diseases, uh, I used to contact or used to go online before this coronavirus hit, and I would buy books by various authors on on diseases that are in the world that there's no cure for it. I can sit here and talk about them all day. There's been many of them. It's not just the coronavirus. Then after that came AIDS, and they said there was no cure for AIDS. Well, they've got something to quell it to a point and then you had Ebola that would kill you overnight and even you have uh, you have the black plague popping up out in New Mexico you've got these things plagues and diseases don't die they go underground and they arise from time to time believe it or not that's the judgment of God God said all you have to do is obey me keep my statutes and my commandments and your fields will be full, your your storehouses will be full, your children will be healthy, will be born healthy, and you'll go against your enemy one way and they'll flee seven ways and that'll make you the heavens. Heavens was the ruling class of the governments. If you got the, I'll tell you what, I, I challenge anybody that's got the McClinican and strong, look up heavens and just read it. The first thing it says is the ruling class. The people who are ruling and the earth is the ruled. Now, I've got people that are condemning me because I won't take a side in this coronavirus. I'm going to take God's side. I don't care if the... If this is a hoax or if it's not a hoax, if there's any coronavirus, I don't care how minor it may be, it's still the judgment of God. That's what it is. I'm not going to side with anybody. I'm not going to take a political stand. I'm going to tell you what God said about disease and pestilence. Then he says, at the end of time you'll have the beast rise up. Most people think the beast is a man. It's not. The beast is a system. You find the beast in Daniel 7. And the beast is rising out of the sea. The sea is the Mediterranean Sea. Where did that clicker go? Well... I thought I had it here. Oh, here it is. Now, the beast rises out of the sea. And that's because the the beast, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome, were all like, located on the Mediterranean Sea. Oh, I'm, boy, I'm going in the wrong direction. All right. well, fiddle, here, here's the sea right here, right there, the beast rises up out of the sea, the beast was Babylon, that's Iraq, Persia was Iran, along with Afghanistan and Pakistan, this was Persia in the ancient world, and then Greece, Babylon falls to Persia, Persia falls to Greece, Alexander the Great's armies, and then Greece falls to Rome, or Rome subjects, puts the four generals who inherit Alexander the Great's empire under their rule, and that's what's ruling in the first century, in the days of Jesus, is Rome. People say, where's the beast in the first century? He's Rome! Killing people! now, Alright, so I'm not taking sides with anybody. I'm telling you what God says He's going to do to the world at the end of time. Last week, we looked at the end of time in Ezekiel, the 37th chapter. The 37th chapter is about... Ezekiel is over in Babylon. Ezekiel was over here on the Euphrates River. He had been carried captive from southern Israel and Judah and Jerusalem, and they had to, this is the way they carried him away. They would carry him. They'd always attack from the north because everything south of Syria in Iraq was the Arabian desert they couldn't if the if Nebuchadnezzar or the Assyrians up here are going to attack Israel they had to go up to the north of Israel and come down so anytime the Bible says this world system will come from the north and other times it will say it comes from the east it comes from the east and it comes in to attack Israel from the north now we're talking about the beast at the end of time Israel has come the Bible says when Israel comes back into one nation into one nation this will be at the end of time now I don't see if I can teach some of you the Bible, I don't know why, if you've got a belief about the coronavirus, why you can't teach me what you know or think you know about it and just give me documentation from a reliable source. Don't just tell me something say, what's wrong with you if you can't believe the truth? Don't jump my case and call me names. I've been called all kinds of names because I won't side with somebody. I'm siding with God. I'm telling you what he said he's going to do at the end of time. If you start getting political and side with somebody, everybody else is going to be against you on the other side. Now not going to do that. You have to deny God in order to believe this. So at the end of time, according to Ezekiel, we've already gone through this. Ezekiel 37 and Isaiah 11. According to these two chapters, Israel will come back into one nation. It was two nations over here as of the first first Kings, first Kings, the 11th chapter and first Kings, the 16th chapter, the 11th chapter, Solomon caused the split of Israel. Solomon caused God to split Israel because he allowed his 700 wives and this is going completely against the law of God in Deuteronomy 28. Now, why Solomon? I don't know. I don't even understand this myself. I'd like to ask him when I get to heaven. Solomon, why did you do that? Because I believe he'll be there. And he'll probably say to me, for the same reason you did what you did in America. You reckon? You reckon that's what a text is saying. He had seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines. You can read all about that in the eleventh chapter of First Kings, where Solomon he allowed his pagan wives to have their Shemosh, that's the sun god. Shemosh, their Molech. Shemosh was the sun god of Ammon. Molech was the sun god of Moab and they kept all their Ashtaroth, their female deities. They had the gods of, they had the gods of, of of Egypt because Solomon was married to the daughter of Pharaoh. She brings in all of her gods from Egypt. They had a thousand gods in Egypt. And so God said, "I'm going to split the nation into southern Judah and northern Israel." Southern Judah is southern Israel. But northern Israel under Joseph Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his sons under his second born son Ephraim any time you see Ephraim long after long after Joseph and Ephraim are dead when you see Ephraim referred to that's talking about northern Israel southern Israel is called Judah that's the land of that's Judah and Benjamin the tribe of Benjamin that's southern Israel Judah is the fourth son of Jacob Benjamin is the twelfth son of Jacob God split him. he says at the end of time I'm going to bring them back into one nation. And the Bible says in Isaiah 11 that the the division, the enmity between Ephraim, Ephraim and Judah will be healed at the end of time. God had a reason for doing that. Northern Israel northern Israel under Joseph had the inheritance and you can see that in Genesis the 48th chapter when, when Joseph brought his sons to Jacob who was an old man said, and they were in Egypt and he said bless I want you to bless Manasseh and Joseph guided his eldest son to Jacob's right hand and he guided his second-born son, Ephraim, to Jacob's left hand. And Jacob crossed his hands. And boy, Joseph about had a fit. He said, but father, but Manasseh's my son, even my firstborn. He said, I know that. He always, God was always giving the blessing to the second-born. And Ephraim got that. That means in Genesis 48, Ephraim or Joseph received the inheritance the inheritance of northern Israel. But the king would come out of Judah. You can find that in Genesis, the ninth chapter. The Scepter will not depart from Judah nor lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. And the gathering of the people will be unto Judah, so he splits the inheritance and the kingship. And that was because for a reason. That was because Reuben, in the ninth chapter, Reuben was unstable as water. He was the firstborn of Jacob, and the firstborn was the one to be the priest and the king and the inheritance, but Reuben messed up, and that was the prerogative of the surviving father to give the kingdom to whoever he wanted to, so he gave the priesthood, which should have been Reuben, he gave the king to Judah, he gave the inheritance to Joseph, and he gave this priesthood to Levi thirdborn. now at the end of time these two are going to come back to be one that has already happened that happened where they were split all over the world up until May 14th 1948 that's when Israel was declared a nation long story to that I don't have time to get into all of it and then they had the six day war 1967 June 5th through June 10th and that was the six day war and that's very significant because that's when they drove the Jordanians who were possessing the land, they were possessing the land. There's a little mark there. That's the west bank of the Jordan River. And the Jordanians were possessing that, and in the west bank is Jerusalem. And for the first time in 2,600 years, they drove out, and they cleared Israel to be ruled from Jerusalem for the first time since Nebuchadnezzar carried them into captivity 2,600 years before in 586 B.C. First time. And the Bible says concerning this, that six-day war, the Jews, Luke 21:24. I'll quote this several times. This is my favorite verse. When I used to travel as a young evangelist, that was the verse that I would focus in on when I was teaching on Israel becoming a nation again for the first time in 2,600 years. This would be my key verse right here. They... The Jews will fall by the edge of the sword. That means they're going to be ruled edge of sword. They'll fall by the edge of the sword. They'll be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem, well, this is a really important part of this verse. Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentile nations of the world until the whole context of those verses there is the Gentiles ruling the Jews for 2600 years and they'll fall by the edge of the sword they'll be led away captive into all nations and that happened it started with Nebuchadnezzar in 586 BC it actually started with the Assyrian kings In 722 B.C. when they carried northern Israel away. This is a part of the signs of the end of time as well as the pestilence. That pestilence is one of them. And the pestilence is not limited just to the coronavirus. It's every time God brings something upon this nation to punch us in the head. And what really gets me, people are cursing, they're cursing the pestilence. It's not just Kenneth Copeland getting on the internet and saying all these stupid things by going, "I'm blowing away the COVID nineteen, idiot, just stupid man." What he's doing is cursing gods. What people are doing when they're trying to cure this, and I'm not blaming people for trying to cure it. What they're trying to do is cure the disease that God has brought upon the nation. Any disease that comes comes from God. And the preachers are not telling the truth. How can they tell the truth? They've been listening to one another for decades, for millennia, and it's been getting worse and worse. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse at the end of time. We're living in some of the worst times I have ever seen in history, in my lifetime. Now, when we go here to the thirty. You have to understand where where Ezekiel is. Ezekiel is over in Babylon. you can see that in the first chapter of the Bible tells you how he's been carried captive. it's believed there were three deportations Israel was deported in five in six o five b c in five ninety seven Those were the first deportations where where Nebuchadnezzar comes in and carries southern Judah away. And then you had 586 B.C. That was war against Israel. That was Nebuchadnezzar coming in, slaughtering Israel, carrying away everybody, leaving the poor in Jerusalem. The poor... And carrying everybody away in Israel to Babylon. And it's believed that Ezekiel was carried away in that second deportation. It was a peaceful deporting. And that's got a lot to it. I don't have time to go into all of it. Peaceful. And 605 was a peaceful deportation. Peaceful. This last one, they leveled Jerusalem. They came in, burned the city to the ground. And destroyed it now when Ezekiel he's over in Babylon when he's having all of these visions what God is doing he's showing Ezekiel what he is doing and what he's going to do back over here in Jerusalem about 650 miles away Jerusalem so he's having visions of what God's doing over in Babylon about what God is doing and what he's going to do if he's over there in 597, 596, he's showing him what he's going to do in 586 B.C. when he sends Nebuchadnezzar's armies in. But what I'm wanting to get at is how Israel has come back just in this last 60 or 70 years and become a nation again. Now, when you're looking at the 38th chapter, the 38th chapter of Ezekiel, first of all, you've got to remember what the 37th chapter and the 36th chapter was talking about. The 36th chapter, God keeps telling Israel, I'm going to, when I destroy you, I'm going to bring you back the amazing thing is Israel is going into captivity this time and they're not they they haven't suffered this situation yet where Israel was destroyed they've never suffered that before and since they were destroyed in this time period in 586 BC they have never come back as one nation what i want to show you today Is what Israel went through when they were carried away. You can find, I put this up here many times, but I want you to see when Babylon carries them away. And all of this is because, why are they carried away? It's real simple. While they were a nation under kings, Particularly, 1st and 2nd Kings and 1st and 2nd Chronicles you say Jim what's the difference between Kings and Chronicles you have 1st and 2nd Samuel also 1st and 2nd Samuel but in 1st and 2nd Samuel they were not involved in Baal and Grove worship Baal and Grove they put down Baal and the Grove First and Second Samuel is about Saul and David. Second Samuel is just the book of David. I call that the book of David, because Saul dies in the last chapter of First Samuel. In First Samuel thirty-one, he dies there. Long story. But Second Samuel is where, Daniel, where David is the king. All of the world comes around, congratulates him for being the wonderful king of the world. And then you don't get into the Baal and Grove until 1 Kings. 1 Kings, the 11th chapter is where Solomon lets his wives keep all of their son and tree gods. And then 1 Kings, the 16th chapter, that's where Ahab... Marries Jezebel and allows her to bring her gods into northern Israel. And then their daughter, Athaliah, when she grows up, marries the king of southern Judah, Jehoram, and takes her gods down, takes her mother's gods down into southern Judah and then southern Judah becomes corrupt so God has to pass judgment on northern Israel and southern Judah for getting involved in this sun and tree worship which later on was brought into Israel brought into Rome and named Christ's Mass of Christmas it's the same thing And I I don't know why people would want to celebrate something that God brought a judgment on Israel for. So that's why they're scattered. That's why southern Judah is scattered, Judah, and northern Israel is scattered. And at the end of time, they'll be brought back into one nation, which has happened in my lifetime. Now, he says over in the 36th chapter, let me just kind of review a little bit. In the 36th chapter he tells he tells Ezekiel son of man verse 1 prophesy unto the mountain of Israel he said speak to the mountain i've just said to you a mountain was a ruling class so he's saying speak to the rulers of Israel he's not talking about go out there and talk to Zion and say hey Zion hey Moriah he's not talking to dirt Speak to them, if you don't believe a mountain is a capital city and a ruling class, and the heavens was the ruling people, then you're not going to understand this. You mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. He's not talking to dirt. And then he says, thus saith the Lord God, behold, the enemy has said against you, Aha, which is a cry of grief and damnation. Even the ancient places are ours in possession. Therefore prophesy and say, Thus saith the Lord God, because they have made you desolate and swallowed you up on every side that ye might be a possession unto the residue of the heathen. The way they're going to be a possession is they're going to be carried away. It's not, that's fancy words, but it's just, it, it, reduces to carried away by Assyria and Babylon. Because God's going to put it into the heart of the Assyrians to carry Israel away and to carry southern Judah away. And then he says in verse 4, Therefore ye mountain, Here's what you say to the mountains. Therefore you mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God. He's talking to mountains. It's like... It reminds us of Luke 11, 23 if you'll say to this mountain, be thou removed. He wasn't talking to a mountain of debt, a mountain being a capital city. Peter was arguing with Jesus about killing a fruit tree when it's against Jewish law to kill fruit trees. And Jesus said, you got a Babylonian mountain in you. Babylon is called a mountain of pride. It was called a proud mountain. And the mountain of Babylon has seduced all the world she was founded on self let us make us a name and she's the mother of all idolatry revelation 17 and 5 all these things have to go together so say to the mountains of israel hear the word of the lord thus saith the lord god to the mountains and to the hills and to the rivers and to the valleys and to desolate waste and to the cities that are forsaken which became a prey and derision to the residue of the heathen that round about. And all through this chapter, look down at verse 8. O ye mountains of Israel, you shoot forth branches and yield your fruit to the people of Israel. Look at verse 9. For behold, I am for you. I will. All the wills and shalls of verse chapter 36 I've got, them, I've got them highlighted in yellow and underlined with a red marker. I will. So you can mark these if you want to. I will turn unto you, and ye shall. Will and shall are forms of the verb to be. You shall be tilled and sown. Oh Well, Ezekiel's over in Babylon. It looks like there's hopelessness. He's saying, I will bring you back one day. And he says that in chapter 37. Then he says in 10, I will multiply men upon you. But you just carried us away and I'm over here in captivity in Babylon. That's what Ezekiel could say, but he's not. I will multiply men upon you, all the house of Israel. Look at verse 11. I will multiply them upon... I will multiply upon you, man and beast... At the end of that verse, I will settle you from after your old estates. It's talking about what God's going to do in the future, a long time in the future. And will do, I will do better unto you. Verse 12, yea, I will cause men to walk upon you, even my people Israel. And then he says over there in verse 15, neither will I cause men to hear in thee the shame of the heathen anymore he says the shame is going to depart because I will do it then he says on down here in verse 23 I will sanctify my great name which was profaned among the heathen then he says in verse 24 for I will not I may not maybe I will I will do these things Ezekiel's over in Babylon they look Israel has no hope and God says here's what I will do I will take you from among the heathen verse 24 and gather you out of the countries where I've scattered you with Assyria and Babylon he's talking about 2600 years later when he brings them back into one nation and that's what the 38th chapter is about I'll bring you back to your own land. In Amos, the ninth chapter, the last verse says, Once I bring you back, I'll never scatter you again. But he's not talking about immediately. Because they're going to be ruled under all peoples, Luke twenty one twenty four, until the end of time. And I've got a paper on that up here. And I'm going to read it to you if I get time. Verse 25, Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you. What is clean water? Living water. What's living water? Did Jesus say in John 4? Told the woman at the well, I'll give you living water and you'll never thirst again. See, the Jews said living water was in streams in the mountain. They knew that it was pure because it was flowing. And they called it living. The water in these deep wells... They knew that the rivers of the earth were running under there, and it was called clean water. And the Bible says you'll have your heart sprinkled there in Hebrews 10 with pure water. That's clean water. And you shall be clean from all your filthiness. They're just getting carried into Babylon. What is he talking about? If you don't jump 2,600 years ahead to the end of time, which is our generation, you're not going to understand this. And will I cleanse you in that same verse 26 and a new heart. Will I give unto you and a new spirit? Is that the same Holy Spirit? That's truth in the new Testament. Yes, it is. Remember, this is a sign. God bringing them back into one nation is a sign of the end as well as the coronavirus, as well as polio, as well as AIDS, as well as Ebola, as well as any of these diseases. It's all a sign of the end. I, a new heart will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I'll give you a heart of flesh. But that doesn't happen any time soon as of this verse. He's talking about the end of time. And I will put my spirit within you. Verse 27. Verse 28. And you shall dwell in in the land that I gave to your fathers, what well, if you trace Ezekiel on down the line? They're being ruled by, by Babylon here. Jews are over in Babylon, and then they're going to be Babylon's going to be overthrown. They're going to be ruled by the Persians, and then they're going to be ruled by the, by the Greeks, by Greeks, and then they're going to be ruled by Rome. And then after Rome is going to come all these nations that rule Israel on the paper I've given to all of you. He's prophesying about something that's going to happen at least 2,600 years later. And I will be your God in verse 28. Verse 29, I will also save you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the corn, which I have destroyed as of this time, this point in time. You've gone after other gods. That's the reason I had you carried away. And will increase it and lay no famine upon you, but it has been there. Because they didn't keep their sabbatical years. And one every seven years. They said, we're not going to do that if you think we're going to take off every seven years and not reap anything and not plant anything. You're crazy, Moses. Verse 30, I will multiply the fruit of the tree. That's only when they're obedient to him and they're not obedient here. Because about 11 years down the road, God's going to carry all Israel away with Nebuchadnezzar. you got to look at the time of what's going on. Verse 31, and then shall you remember your own evil ways. Then shall, shall is a form of will. It's a form of the verb to be. In verse 33, thus saith the Lord God in the day that I shall have cleansed you from all your iniquities. That's not right here yet. He's in captivity. They've got to carry southern Judah away and destroy the whole nation. And then Greece has got to rule them. Then Rome's got to rule them and kill them by the millions. And I will cause you to dwell in the cities and the ways shall be rebuilt. Verse 35, verse 35, and they shall say... This land was desolate and has become like a garden. They have found out in the 40s, before the 1940s, they thought Israel was a wasteland. When Israel moved in, I've got a book, a magazine that I bought 40 years ago, I guess. It shows Israel is no longer a wasteland. It's some of the richest land in the world. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. And it's really interesting. He says, verse 36, Then the heathen that are left round about you will know that the Lord built the ruined places and plant that which was desolate. That's way in the future. Because they're just being carried away. The big destructive deportation hasn't happened as of this point. That don't happen to 586. This is somewhere in 597, 96, 95 BC when he's prophesying Israel's going to come back. They're in captivity. They're going down. And the Lord has spoken it. I will do it. I love the word spoken. Dabar. It means a commandment or an orderly arrangement. Now, there's something amazing here. Orderly arrangement. I'm going to say more about that next Tuesday. Arrangement. Orderly arrangement. Believe it or not, it comes from the word deburr which means an evil pestilence, a pestilence that is arranged by God. So Dabar, I have spoken it, I will do it. God has spoken the pestilence, an arrangement. Whether anybody likes that or not, I'm defending God in this I'm not going to try to stop the coronavirus. I'm going to try to protect myself all I can. I'm not going to take a side with anybody. I believe God has sent this pestilence. I don't believe... Let's just say it's not as bad as what has been advertised. You think God can't make it worse, a hundred times worse, and cause millions of people to die? Because God says, I'll do that too at one point when he was killing 70,000 innocent people in israel in the 24th chapter of second samuel look at that real quick second samuel 24th chapter samuel has numbered israel and is taking credit and glory for all that god has done or that He's taking credit for what God did and he's naming all of his mighty men in this 23rd chapter of 2nd Samuel. He's naming all of his mighty men. He's bragging about them. He talks about his own nephew who traveled with him everywhere he went, Abishai, and he says Abishai in verse 18 of 23, the brother of Joab, that was his two nephews by his by his sister Zeruiah that was his sister and they were always giving David problems he said my I can't handle these sons of Zeruiah they're too hard for me Abishai was always wanted to kill somebody Uncle David, I'll go kill that dog David said shut up Abishai he just couldn't stop Abishai from killing and Joab Abishai's older brother was a killer David says, and David appointed Joab to be his commanding general because Joab led the armies into Jebus, which later became Jerusalem and conquered the Jebusites. He said, whoever he does, that gets to be my commander. And it was his nephew Joab. Oh, God, of all people, a killer to head by. It was Joab that killed Absalom. Just and chewed David out because David wept over Absalom. And down here in verse 18, And Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zeruiah, Zeruiah was David's sister, these were his two nephews, was chief among three, and he lifted up his spear against three hundred, and killed all 300. That was just his nephew Abishai. You talk to Ab- back to Abishai. He'll kill you at the drop of a hat. Whew. And he had to deal with these two murderers. That he had for nephews. Great day in the morning. So he's numbering all of his wonderful men. His fighting men of Israel. All through this 23rd chapter. And then. After he brags on all this mighty men in the 24th chapter, again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and God moved David against them to say, Go number Israel and Judah. He was going to number them and take credit. And you have to go over to First Chronicles, the 21st chapter, to find out. In Chronicles, David had over a million. 500,000 in his army. 500,000. And he's taking credit. Die numbering them. And God says, just for that wickedness in your life. You don't remember when Saul was chasing you with thousands? And you only had 400? And I delivered you from Saul... With 400 men. But it wasn't you or the 400 that delivered. It was me. So God says to David, I'm trying to show you how God will multiply the coronavirus if he wants to. And how he'll stop it when he wants to. So God says to David, He sends... God says, I'm not going to read all this chapter. Take me too long. God sends the seer Gad to David and says, all right, now, since you've done this, since you've taken credit, we're going to kill some people in Israel because of your sins, David. That's what God is doing in America because of the sins of the preachers. They will. They, Billy Graham and all the Baptists that I know preach accept Christ as your personal Savior, and they preach, which is not true. The Bible says it isn't, and they preach sinners prayer for salvation. The Bible says that's not true. Faith and believe is the method of salvation. I'm not going to go into it. I've gone into it much. So Gad came to David in verse thirteen and said to him I'll give you a choice of three things and I'm going to let you pick which one you want and you know what he names God says Gad you tell David he could have either the sword the famine or the pestilence as a judgment on Israel who what a choice and he says in verse 13, Shall seven years of famine come upon thee and upon the land? Or will you flee three months before your enemies? That's the famine. That's the sword. While they pursue thee, or that there be three days of pestilence, and that'll come from me. Which one do you want? Oh, man. You want those choices? I don't want them. In thy land, now advice. You advise me and I'll tell God what you said, David. I don't want those. And see what answer I will return to him that sent me. You see, i tell you sometimes the Bible will say sword, famine, pestilence without saying the words like that. But this is exactly what this is. And David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. I guess you are. (laughs) Boy, you're giving me a choice. Would you like to be killed by this way or this way or this way? Let us fall now into the hand of the Lord. We'll take the pestilence. For his mercies are great. Let me not fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent a pestilence upon Israel from the morning even to the time appointed. This was three days of pestilence from God. And there died of the people from Dan, that's the northernmost city in Israel, to Beersheba at that time, the southernmost city. Seventy thousand innocent men because of David's sin. Because of these preachers' sin, that's where the pestilence is coming from. The preachers, I'm not trying to put the blame on anybody. It's not, God is not to blame. God is the cause. He's causing it to happen. And when the angel stretched out his hand upon Jerusalem to destroy everyone in it, God said, that's enough evil. That's exactly what he says. The Lord repented him of the evil and said to the angel that destroyed the people, probably Michael, the death angel. Michael killed 185,000 Assyrians in one night. All he had to do was wave his hand. That's better than karate. God says, it is enough. I've killed enough. I've brought enough evil. Stay now, thine hand, and the angel of the Lord was by the threshing place of Arana, the Jebusite. And he goes to Arana and says, "I got an offering, offering to the Lord. Can I have your your threshing floor? The threshing floor was a was a uh, where the land was built up like this." and they would they would throw the wheat into the air along with the tares the buds of wheat would fall to the ground the wind would blow the rest away that was called john the baptist said this was god's threshing floor he's going to thresh that was sifting when jesus said satan hath desired you peter to sift you as wheat So he goes to Rana and says, and Rana says, you can have my threshing floor. David said, no. He said, I have sinned against God. Verse 24, the king said unto Rana, nay, but I will sure, surely buy it of thee at a price, neither will I offer burnt offering unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. I'm not going to sacrifice. Are you, are you listening to the message here at Grace and Truth? We're not giving. If you really believe this message, you ought to sacrifice to it. Now, that shows you that God can increase the coronavirus or decrease it. I don't really care how serious it is or how, his, how serious it's not. All I'm trying to tell you, this is the judgment of God. Now let's go back over here to Ezekiel. So he's gone through all the shalls and wills. Verse 37 of chapter 36, Thus saith the Lord God, I will yet for this, I will yet for this be inquired by the house of Israel to do it, For them, I will increase them with men like a flock. And he says in the last verse, they shall know that I am the Lord. Not at this point, and not in this point in history, they're not going to know for 2,600 years. That's why I believe there has to be a remnant over in Israel of believers, because a Jew is not outwardly; it's of the heart. Circumcision is of the heart. I believe there'll be a remnant because of the four particular wars that I'm going to go through with you. The four wars were over. what Israel was completely outnumbered. When they had their war of independence, May 14, 1948, they were declared a nation for the first time in 2,600 years. Because of Harry Truman, the president, he told the world, I'll sanction every port in the world and you'll get nothing from us. And they were depending on the United States for everything. And they declared Israel a nation. They considered Harry Truman a hero in Israel. Then, then you'll know that I am the Lord. He's talking about all this wills and shalls that's going to be 2,600 years later. Then in this 37th chapter, he talks about bringing the same thing he said in Isaiah 11. When I healed this wound between Ephraim, northern Israel, and southern Judah, and they become one nation again, he said, The fly up on the Philistines. The Philistines is the Gaza Strip. That's happening here at the end of time. I believe we're close to the end. Now, so he says through this 37th chapter, I'll read a couple of verses again. He's talking about the Valley of Dry Bones. He said, speaking to the bones, they're dry, they're very dead. And then he said, I'm talking about the whole house of Israel, but I'll bring them together bone to his bone until they come together, but they will not be alive because there's no breath in them. I will breathe breath into them. That's the Holy Spirit coming into them, and they become alive as a nation. Well, let me read just a little bit of that. How much time to have, Mike? 38. I'm really trying to spell all this out for you. I want you to see where Ezekiel is, what he's doing, why he's saying what he's saying. He's in captivity, but southern Judah hasn't been destroyed yet. You've got to remember, the temple is in southern Judah. The temple is in Jerusalem. Look at this map over here. There's Jerusalem. It's in the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin and Judah were southern Israel so the temple is in Jerusalem that's where it is now Benjamin Judah or southern Israel so God's got to say that's why God I'm sure in all probability that's why God numbered the fact that Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin he was the first king he was the wrong king in the wrong time Because the king has to come from Judah. God brought an evil spirit into Saul because he wanted Saul to be off the throne. So God had to cause him to have wickedness in him. God removed Saul from the throne, made David. And David David was born in Bethlehem, just like Jesus was right there. Now now let's read here in verse 15 the word of the Lord came again unto me saying take thee one stick and write upon it for Judah that's southern Israel and for the children of Israel that would be Israel southern Judah was called Israel and his companions then take another stick and write upon it for Joseph that's northern Israel the stick of Ephraim and for all the house of Israel Israel his companions and join them one to another into one stick and they shall become one in my hand they haven't been one nation until May 14 1948 they've been under the rule of all the kingdoms of the world and when the children of Israel shall speak unto thee saying wilt thou not show us what thou meanest by these Say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, northern Israel, which is in the hand of Ephraim, his second born, and the tribes of Israel, his fellows, that would be northern Israel, and put them with him, even with the stick of Judah, and they're going to come back and be one. And make them one stick, and they shall be one in my hand. That didn't happen till May of 1948. And the sticks were on thy writer shall be in thine hand before their eyes, and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord Behold, I will take the children of Israel among the heathen, whither they be gone, and will gather them on every side and will bring them into their own land. That's going to be 2,500 years from this writing, or 2,600. Now, I want us to go over here to, I read through the rest of this last week. And he says in verse 28, The heathen shall know that I, the Lord, do sanctify Israel when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forevermore that's at the end of time so he's jumping towards he's jumping to the end of time that's what he's doing then it shows you in 38 so 36 says I will do all these things I will bring you back into one nation in 37 then 38 tells you about the war against Israel at the end of time but it's not only a war against Israel it's a war against the church This is a puzzling thing to every scholar that I've ever read after. How can Israel be believers? They have to come through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. These wars were so miraculous, and they are a picture of the end of time. May I keep saying it to you? the beast is going to attack israel the famine's going to be here the sword the war's going to be here and pestilence is going to be here at the end i'm not taking sides i'm telling you what god says now let's start reading in this let's start reading in this first chapter of 38 this is going to tell you about the destruction of gog which would be the beast or the man of sand in this 38th chapter, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog. Gog was a title for the mountains. Let me flip back over here. What did I do? Here it is. Gog was a title. Excuse me while I flip through here. Someday I'll get something where I can get through this a lot easier. I don't know where that... Here it is. This is Israel right here. Canaan, Philistines down on the southwest corner. And then you have... This is... Iraq in here, this is Persia over here, but these are the ancient names, and this is going to show you in this chapter that these names Madai, Tubal, Meshach, Tiras, Put, Mizraim, Cush, Havilah—these are all going to come together. We're talking about in this chapter. We're talking about Egypt, Ethiopia, we're talking about Jordan, we're talking about about Babylon, Assyria. When you're talking about Turkey, all of these, these are the modern names that i just been spewing off, Turkey, Meshach is right in the center of Galatia. This chapter says all of these nations are come to come together at the end and have a confederacy. Confederate means to join together into one. This has never happened in history. Every one of these has attacked Israel at some time, but this chapter, the 38th chapter, says they're all going to come together and attack Israel at the end. Why don't they do that now? We had this retired colonel come to the church. He even spoke to us one Sunday. He was he was over there. He retired from the Marines in, uh, in America, and then he went and worked with Israel over there, and he says that Israel has 800 nuclear missiles. Eight hundred, at least 800. And he said they've got... that. That's why all these nations are afraid to attack Israel because if they unload on them, they'd make Iran look like a moonscape. It already nearly does, being all desert. But they're going to make it look... They can't attack Israel. And every one of those missiles, he said... Would have fifteen or twenty—I don't remember exactly how many—fifteen or twenty nuclear warheads on each of the end, on the each of these end of these missiles, and he says they'll go up to an apple G. I guess it's spelled A P O G E. That's the height that they'll go to, and then they can fire off these fifteen or twenty super nuclear warheads. All over the Middle East. That's why they don't attack Israel. They're terrified of it. I asked him one day. I said, "What if?" I said, "Where do they have these?" He said, "In the ground, under big boulders." I said, "What will happen to the boulders if they shoot these things off?" He said, "They'll knock it off like a pebble, and they'll be going into the air." And they would. That's why the only thing they will do is attack Israel with these bombs with these. Uh, they're they're just missile heads, but they're not nuclear warheads. Once they ever do that, Israel will, whoo, will go after them. So they know they can't. Now, who is Gog? Let me read something to you. I got this Gog. This is how good the McClintic and Strong is. I hope they'll start selling them again. To buy a set of them on the internet, Tom said the cheapest one, of the cheapest ones he saw, was like nine hundred dollars. They were real cheap when they printed them. I hope Mister Baker will start printing them again. But you look up Gog, you look up Magog, and it'll tell you things that no other dictionary will say. Listen to this: Gog is derived from the ancient pagan heathen kings called agag you remember agag that was a title agag when when god told had samuel tell saul you go down to amalek and utterly destroy amalek kill everything there babies the king everybody all the sheep all the cattle and saul comes back to israel after he goes and and david's and saul said uh, no excuse me Samuel said I thought we told you to go down there and utterly destroy everything he said I did he said then what's the bleeding of these sheep over here he said well you know I want to offer sacrifice to God and and Samuel said those great words it's better to obey than sacrifice God don't need your ritual he wants obedience why would he kill the babies down there no one was practicing these Levitical uh, separations, quarantines, except Israel. So, if they had disease down there, and they brought the babies back, they could be carriers of the disease. <coughs> so, and and Saul says, uh, Samuel says, what about this king you brought back? A gag. Agag was a title. It was a title for king. And that's where Gog comes from. As to the signification of Gog, it appears to mean mountain. And it was the title of mountains in the Caucasus Mountains. The Caucasus Mountains is these mountains between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea. The word Gog comes from the word Ka. What they did, well, let me read this to you. As to the signification of Gog, it appears to mean mountain, i.e. Caucasus, and the Persic was ko K-O-H. And what they did, they hardened the consonants and just called it Gog. Those was Assyrian terms. That was the headquarters of the Assyrian Empire from from Nineveh up here into the Caucasus Mountains. And those were Caucasians. Now, I'm still talking about the end of time. I'm talking about what's going to happen at the end as well as coronavirus and polio and all these diseases it's not like one of them is something minor it's not like well it's just not as serious as everybody thinks well he could make it serious just like God could have made it serious with David at Jerusalem if David wasn't repentant David was just saying oh God what have I done God could have let the death angel destroy everybody in Jerusalem, but he stopped it. God can stop it and start it when he's ready. He can multiply the coronavirus to such an extent he can make it a hundred times over what it is. Without repentance, that just very well might happen. Without these preachers stopping, you preachers need to listen to this. They're the reason for the coronavirus or polio or anything else. or the ascetic GOG G-H-O-G-H G-H-O-G-H that's the ascetic way of pronouncing it I.E. mountain even the classical name Caucasus originated K-O-H-K-A-F let me erase some of this you already got that This is the destruction of Gog at the end of time. And Gog was just a name for the enemies of God. That's what it was. I'm trying to tell people, I've been preaching at the end of time. Was, I have had a feeling it would come in my lifetime. I don't know if I'll live to see it. At 81, if I live to be my mid-90s, maybe I will. I believe we're sitting on the verge of eternity, and this is just one of the signs. Another sign is Israel coming back into one nation. And Israel has to be attacked. The peace treaty that Donald Trump announced the other day is temporary. They're going to say peace and safety, and then sudden destruction is come on, going to come upon them as travails upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. When they say peace, peace, and there is no peace, it's not going to happen. I can t- advise the president. I can tell all the Congress, you're wasting your time. But the only way you can stop this thing is not you getting together and fight as Democrats and Republicans. Tell the preachers to change their message. That's where it comes from. That's the cause of it. It's not Democrats and Republicans' problem. It's God's cause. Even the classical name Caucasus originated in Kalkoff. Okay? A H K O L. And they called their mountains Gog. And they called the tops of their mountains among the Assyrians Magog. And they named their leaders after their mountains and called them Gog. You won't get that anywhere but out of McClinic and Strong. I haven't found any, any other of my encyclopedias. They got a lot about it. Since Caucasus was the chief seat of the Scythian or the Assyrian people. Well, they were butchers is what they were. Well, kind of like the Comanches out of Texas. Comanches, boy, you didn't. You get caught by Apaches or you get caught by Cherokees or anybody, but you don't want to get caught by the Comanches. They were killers. They killed everything they got a hold of. That was white. These people settled in the Caucasus Mountains directly north of Israel in the upper Mesopotamian Valley, Upper Mesopotamia is, Mesopotamia is, is Iraq. Mesopotamia means, it's an ancient word, Mesopotamia means between the rivers. Talking about the Tigris and the Euphrates River right there in Babylon, right there between the rivers. That's Mesopotamia. Let me read the rest of this. They settled in the Mesopotamian Valley further north between the Caspian Sea and the Black Sea. There it is right up there. This is is all about what's fighting Israel for that land. If you study maps, it makes a lot more sense you got to look at where these things are. Don't just say Ethiopia or somebody. It's right below Egypt. Don't say Jordan. Or if I say Ammon and Moab, that's Ammon, Jordan is the capital. And that's right east of Israel. That's why Jordan wants to be at peace with Israel. Of all those people over there, the people that are terrified of Israel are the people right next door to Israel. They know how powerful they are. If Israel got loose on some of those Arab nations, it's like Jordan is just open country for them. Let me read the rest of this. These people settle in the Caucasus Mountains further north between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea and it's currently called Armenia or Georgia. Remember that? That's between this is Georgia or Armenia here. It was called Georgia when it was part of the Soviet Union. A state of now defunct Soviet Union. The hardening of the last sound H into a G, Gog from ko Seems to have taken place earlier and when the name had already become that of a people, the other names Magog and Agag arose. Another explanation comes from the Pelvic Koka meaning moon. Koka means moon. These were all moon worshipers. When well, the Bible says we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. What does it rule the darkness in the first chapter of Genesis? The moon ruled the darkness. And the moon worshipers were those Babylonians that brought the fire and tree worship into Israel. And the grove was always represented as the tree, identified with the moon. So, in fact, one of the names moon is the word L-E-B-A-N-A-H Lebanon, and Lebanon is one of those people right above Israel, Lebanon. And another word for moon is Y-E-A-R-E-A-C-H Yerech. And that we get the word Iraq from that, and it means ruler, because it ruled the darkness. Men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. And Iraq is right here. And that's one of the words for moon. Once you get the defining words, it's not so hard to identify these people. I don't know if I can get through this chapter today but it's going to tell you all these people are going to come in a conglomerate and attack Israel and that's never happened where they all came together and did it. They they attacked Israel one at a time on various fronts in the ancient world but never all at once. We've got that to look forward to. Let me read the rest of this. A hardening of the last sound H into G, Gog from Co, seems to have taken place early. When the name had already become that of a people, the other names, Magog and Agag, arose. Another explanation comes from the pelvic, Koka moon, because they prayed to the moon. You see the moon, the crescent moon, on the flags of the Turks, don't you? You see that on the fezes of the shriners. The Shriners go back to the Knights Templar. That's Roman Catholicism. Boy, they're all mixed up, aren't they? According to Renege, some of the Caucasian people call their mountains Gog and the highest points Magog. Magog means region of Gog, the second son of Japheth in Genesis ten two. Now you're going to... Let's go over to it. Genesis, the 10th chapter. This is called Table of Nations. This is where all these people settled. And when you find all these people attacking Israel, in that 38th chapter, this is who they are. The 10th chapter of Genesis is called Table of Nations chapter. Table of Nations. Notice that's on the top of this right over here. This is the table of nations. These are the descendants of Japheth, Ham, and Shem. That's who these are. These are the nations that's going to come together and attack Israel at the end of time. That peace thing that, what was it, the UAE, United Arab Emirates, that's a temporary thing. That's not peace final. Forget that. I'd like to explain this to Mr. Trump if he'd sit down and listen to me. But I have to take a couple of hours to do it. Well, I, I can appreciate his desires and his heart and all of that, but it ain't going to work. If it works, then you can take this chapter and take the previous chapter out of your Bible and tear it out and throw it away, okay? Now, read here in Genesis, and you can identify these people, Genesis 10. They've just come out of the flood. Noah just died in verse 29 of chapter 9. The days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. Oh, he lived not that much shorter than Methuselah. Methuselah lived nine hundred sixty-nine. Of course, Jerry lived nine hundred sixty. So a lot of those guys were living a long time. Well, how? Well, that's another story. <laughs> I would get into it, but I can't. Now, these are the generations of the sons of Noah: Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And unto them were the sons of born after the flood. And the sons of Japheth, Gomer. Oh, where's Gomer up here? Oh, there it is, up in Russia. Gomer, right up here. See, you can't really study without knowing who these people are and where they're located. Gomer, not Gomer, Paul. That's where his name comes from. And Magog. Oh, that was the son of Japheth. Magog. Right there, just above Syria, right on the edge of Georgia, Magog, and they this is probably the best they could do. You know I couldn't find this map. I've never been able to find it anywhere else. I found it in a uh, in a dict- in a book I bought about nineteen sixty four They were printed in nineteen sixty three And it was Zondervan's Pictorial Dictionary, one volume. They're in five volumes now, or maybe more than that. But it had things in it that I have never seen before. I never saw this in any other. I've looked for it in my library. I've got thousands of books in my library. I can't find it anywhere except here. Now, let's keep reading. And Madai, these are sons of Japheth. Where is Madai up here? Right here. These are all Arab nations that's going to attack Israel. And this chapter says so. And God's fury is going to come up in his face and destroy all of them. Who? And Javan, here's Javan right here. possibly moved over here into Turkey, which was Asia and Asia Minor. That's where the seven churches were. And the sons of Gomer were Ashkenaz and Riphath and Togarma. Togarma is mentioned in that thirty eighth chapter of Ezekiel. Mega. Togarma. Right on eastern Turkey, eastern Turkey is Togarma. as you go into into the other nations up above there, above Syria, just above Syria, and on the tip end of what you call Persia, and Persia's numbered in there too. You'll hear Persia, and they're all going to get together and go against Israel in the 38th chapter of Ezekiel. And that's going to happen at the end of time. Boy, are they having trouble over there? They've always had trouble over there. They've been fighting Israel ever since ancient times. And the sons of Javan, Elisha, and Tarshish, and Kittim, and Dodamin, I've got some copies of this Map. I'll give you all one if you want it. By these were the isles of the Gentiles divided into their lands. And then he gets down here and says, the sons of Ham were Cush and Mizraim and Put, and Canaan. These were guys' names. They're not lands' names, not yet. The Bible says men name their towns after themselves. That's what they do. They're proud. Columbus, Ohio, Washington, D.C., Hendersonville. It's named after Henderson family. So these are all. Mizrim, Put, is Egypt. Mizrim is Egypt. Kush is Ethiopia. They're all going to come together according to this. If it doesn't happen, then throw your Bible away and let's party, okay? It's amazing that men don't read this book and identify it. And then in verse 8, where you got Cush begets Seba and Havilah and Sabta. Havilah is up here. Havilah. Where is Havilah? Havilah. That's Saudi Arabia and Cush That's Ethiopia. And the Bible says Ethiopia and Persia and all of their bands are going to come together against Israel. They've never done that before. One of them has attacked Israel at a time, but not all of them at once. And then he says in verse 8, Cush begat Nimrod. Nimrod founded Babel and begat... Began to be a mighty one in the earth, and he was a mighty hunter before. That word before means opposing the Lord. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod the mighty hunter before the Lord, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. Let us make us a name. And Iraq, or Iraq and Akkad, and Kalna, and the land of Shinar. Shinar was the lower Mesopotamian valley down here, right above the Persian Gulf, We had that Persian war. How much time do I have, Mike? Six. Six minutes. Let me skip through some of this. Canaan, down in verse 15, begets Sidon, his firstborn. Sidon is the rival of Israel. When... When Ahab married Jezebel, the king of Sidon's daughter, and brought all of his gods down into Israel, this is an interesting chapter. I bet you didn't even know it was there. I wasn't even interested in it, right? It's very interesting to show you where these people are. He says in verse 20, "These are the sons of Ham." We actually says that earlier. Uh, these are the sons of Ham after their families after their tongues and in their countries that's what he said Canaan begat Sidon his firstborn verse 15 and the Jebusite and the Amorite and the Gergesite these are the ones that Israel fell in with when they came back after being scattered and they were allowed to come back but all of Israel didn't come back northern Israel didn't come back during the days of Jesus and that's the 10 northern tribes and they were called the lost tribes and then Shem in verse 21. We get the word Semitic from the word Shem. And out of that comes Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, I don't, I, I couldn't get through all of that chapter because I'm running out of time. But go back to Ezekiel. Next week, I'm going to show you all the nations that ruled Israel over this 2,600-year period. We're... I believe, and I've been preaching this for 50 years, we're on the verge of eternity. I felt like these things were happening. I've been watching these things. I believe God has privileged us to be able to see these things happening. Go back over here to Ezekiel 38, and I'll just give you a little wrap-up on this, and I'll come back to this next week in the 38th chapter we see the destruction of Gog and Magog and all of his bands which all these people that come with him to attack Israel son of God set thy face against Gog the land of Magog the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal chief is the word rosh it doesn't mean Russian R-O-S-H. Some guys have tried to say that. means the Russian prince. It means the head prince. Head prince of Meshach and Tubal. I've got a map over here. Excuse me. And it shows on this map that I drew years ago. It shows that Meshach and Tubal, these are the various... Beast Purple is Assyria. The green is Babylon. And Persian Empire in the orange. Grecian is in the brown. I wish I had a better map. And the Roman Empire is in the blue. Meshach and Tubal is in every one of these empires. So the head prince of Meshach and Tubal wouldn't be the Assyrian king. It wouldn't be a Babylonian king. Who would the head prince of Meshach and Tubal be? The head prince of the beast would be Satan, since that's in every one of the empires. The chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and God says, I will turn thee back and put hooks in thy jaws when you come against my people. To put a hook in a jaw, you can find this over in Ezekiel 29 and 4, 2 Kings 19 and 28, Isaiah 39 and 29, and Judges 1 and 6, when Israel came in to take over, to take back the land that had been given to their father Abraham, when they conquered a king, They would cut off his great thumbs, or his thumbs and his great toes, so he couldn't get any balance. He could never hold a spear again or a weapon. He had no balance. And they would put him under a table, run a hook up under his jaw and out his mouth, put a lock on it. Once in a while, throw him a crumb of bread. God says, I'll do that to you when you come against my people and this next chapter says the fury of God is going to come up in his face he's going to get red in the face when they come up against Israel people say God wouldn't do that yes he would let's read a little more of this I will put hooks in thy jaws and I will bring thee forth notice what he says I will bring you against Israel I will bring thee forth all thine army, horses and horsemen. Now they're going to have to say horses and horsemen. They hadn't invented tanks yet. So they're going to give the expression of something very, very devious and upsetting. War. Um, Am I out of time? Yeah. I'll come back to this verse. It's talking about All these nations attacking Israel. There's not going to be peace. I can appreciate Donald Trump trying to negotiate it. But if he knew anything about the Bible, he might take another avenue. But everybody tries to come up with a peace with Israel and those nations. And it's not going to happen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for truth. Help us to show the world that if it's according to your mercy that, that you're bringing all this on the world as judgments because the leaders of your people, supposed to be Christians, are not telling truths. You, you We can't obey you if we don't know the truth. Your church can't obey. Fight our battles, Lord. We can't do that. That's only something you can do. We can't fight this world any more than Israel could fight our battles. Thank you for truth. I pray for the church, the people that are weary and tired of being home and alone. Give them strength to stand with us. We'll give you praise for everything that's happening. This is in your hands, not ours. Thank you for everything you do in Christ's name, Amen. I'm say the least, I'm not through with this at all. I'm just getting started on it. I spent my life studying prophecy in the 70 weeks of Daniel. Where's
1: the Nimrod up there? Huh? Nimrod. Where's it? Nimrod.
0: What are you talking about?
1: Nimrod. Nimrod. Is is he a tribe too? Nimrod. Nimrod.
0: Well, he wasn't one of the... He was a son... But his name is not. He's the one that started Babel and oh, Iraq. Oh, 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 I understand. He, he started these been. two these two cities. And he's thought put
1: the horns on his head? Huh? He put the horns on his head?
0: Yeah, that yeah. was Nimrod. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Now let me give you something. Hold on.
1: Yesterday uh, was pretty traumatic. The guy tried to kill <laughs> me. I broke I it. The mask I had felt, the thing came oh. off. I had one on. It broke. Sorry. Right here. I know you did. I, it, this, these are not good. I'm sorry. It went up right the it's heavy. I'm idiot. Man. I'm sorry. Don't do it. won't. Oh, Jeez. Man, I'm always in trouble. Everywhere everything I... God, to
0: oh. here you go I hope you're going to get are you renting oh, that place you, yet
1: I'm just getting it for a, a garage sale it's a garage I can't be around that I've that got it for the garage I'm not going to pay it every week but I'm, I've got it for a week
0: well you need to get you need to finish up and get that
1: i got to yesterday a guy tried to kill me down there where I'm staying he came in and tried to back my brains out just because he's trying to Go through my stuff and get, he thinks I got gold under there or something. He's a crazy guy who gasoline.
0: Well, you really got to follow oh, through. He shows up. You me. really need to follow through and get,
1: I've got to. I'm going to get killed. And, and get that,
0: get that Social Security. Oh, yeah. It's,
1: it's,
0: you need to be able to find a place to live.
1: I'm expecting that letter uh, to go get the the papers and do it all. Or if they do it, that's
0: Hey, brother. Oh, thank you. Okay. Let's, let's hug. Yeah. I don't think you got the coronavirus. <laughs> I don't know. You've been away from it, haven't you?
1: I was telling
0: I just want people to know there's more to the signs of the end besides coronavirus. It's, it's
1: just the beginning of sorrow.
0: That's me. what it is. It's the beginning of the end. I've so had people call me and write me and insult me and call me a coward. Why are they doing that? I'm just trying to teach them. I don't believe in taking sides on this because I don't think anybody really knows how dangerous it is, is or is not. We
1: allowed one of them.
0: Those, that one of them, it's kind of tight on me, yeah. but take it with you. And.
1: Yeah, I'll wear it out and fold it. Okay, good. I'm throwing these books away. Hey,
0: how you doing? Give me an elbow. They're
1: all supposed to be a Christmas book.
0: I love you guys.
1: I love you guys.